Not only would I want my kid to live well, I'd want him to die well. To live as Christ, to die as gain. To think about life is not just about what happens here on earth, but there's this thing called eternal life. And so what paradigm would I give them? What gifts would I give them so they see all of life through this living for something bigger than themselves? So that when they hear about trust and respect, they understand that their ultimate trust is in Jesus and they respect authority. Or when they think logically that their faith has reason or how to know and how to, how to diagnose how they're feeling, not just to burp up, I feel this, but to be able to explain, this is how I feel. This is why we listen with empathy. This is why we speak clearly. This is why we read critically. This is why we want you to write eloquently. This is why we want you to sing joyfully. This is why, Luke, I want you to work diligently and play rightly. What gifts would I give them? Well, I'd narrowed it down to four loves. Four loves, yes. And I want to give them four loves. And I want to first explain when I talk to them about love, love is not a soupy emotion. It involves emotion, and we'll get into that. But what it is, it is a passion and a commitment to someone or something. And I want to leave them with four loves, four loves that they're passionately committed to someone or something. And I would tell them, Lauren, Luke, and Lawson, the only way you can do this is because there is a God who loved you. And 1 John four nineteen says, we love because he first loved us. And so what would I give them? Well, I brought some gifts today in this gift package called a rubber made box. So what gifts would I give my children? We will start with a picture. Anybody see that? Can you see that? Start with a picture of the Trinity. That's a picture of the Trinity. It's as close as we're going to get. (laughs) Right? I would give them, number one, a love for God. Mark 12, 30. Know that the Lord your God is one and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Basically with all that you are. Lauren, Luke, and Lawson, with all that you are, as unique as God's made you, I want you to know that you should have a love for God. And this God exists as a trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That God is the Father, God is the Son, and God is the Spirit. But the Father is not the Son, and the Son is not the Spirit, and the Father is not the Spirit. That there is a God who exists, and he exists in three persons. If you walk out of our church, you will see on the back of the sign a blessing. May God bless you, the love of God, the grace of Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, 2 Corinthians thirteen fourteen. That we want, when people leave here, to know that that is the Trinitarian God that's blessing them. And that's what I want to leave my children, that they would have a love for God, and that God... That Trinitarian God, according to 2 Corinthians 3, or excuse me, 4 verse 6 says, The same God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in your hearts to show you the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. That Jesus Christ, according to Hebrews 1, 3, it says he is the radiance of his glory. 
When you see Jesus, he shined forth godliness. And he is the exact imprint of his nature. And then I would say, Lauren, Luke and Lawson, that there is this God who exists and it's by faith that you pursue him because he rewards those. Hebrews eleven six. he rewards those who seek after him. That is the Trinity in his activity. He is the creator of the world. He's the sustainer of the world. He is the ruler of the world and he's the redeemer of the world. He is sovereign over it and his son's death on the cross is sufficient for all sin. And what I'd want to paint for them about Christ and this Trinitarian God is on this road to relationship, a love for God. It's not just knowledge and it's not just experience, but this road, as Matthew 5 says, is narrow. It's not broad. It is not Jesus plus all these other religions. I would just say, no, it is about the Trinitarian God most clearly seen in Jesus Christ. And this road is narrow and you can fall off this road two ways. You can fall off this road being a knowledge-only person and you can fall off this road being an experience, let's say, yea, only prayer-only person. You can experience God. There's books like that. You can know God. There's books titled that. But I would want them to experience and know God. And you can fall off this narrow road, Lauren Lucas Lawson, in your relationship with God two ways. You can get really, really legalistic and talk about rules, rules, rules. Or you can get fall off on the other side and be licentious and just say relationship, relationship, relationship. I would say no, that all relationships have rules, written or not. I relate to my wife a certain way. I relate to you a certain way. And there's ways not to relate to one another. And so I would never want them to be opposed to rules or I'd never want them to be opposed to relationships. All together. That's how God's designed it. I want them to have a love for God, a relationship with God. And there are certain things we do with him and certain things we do not do. And that they would have a respect for him and a respect for authority. But how would they know this almighty God who creates and sustains and rules and redeems? I'd take them to Psalm 19 and I'd show them that general revelation... The heavens declare the glory of God. They, they tell us there is a God that exists. And we live in one of the most beautiful places in the world. You can walk right outside and you can say, this is absolutely amazing. And the higher you go, the more amazing it gets. And you go, this is, un, you, and this is one of those where you can use hyperbole. This is unbelievable because this is majestic. This is beautiful. And we consider it a privilege that we now live here and we can take our kids and show them these things. And say, but that's not enough because Psalm 19 goes on and talks about the specific revelation in his word. And that would be the second thing I'd want to give them. I'd want to give them a love for the Bible. And I set that cross on top because I wanted to give them a love for the Bible because it is the story of the gospel. From beginning to end, it is the story of the gospel. And if they, the first love is a love for God, that he exists in Trinity, fully seen in Jesus and that they should develop a relationship with him. This is, these are God's words. Every single one of them are God's words. Even in Leviticus, it is, they're God's words. All those chapters on law, they're God's words and they're true. 
a love for the triune God and a love for his true word. And I'd want them to know and learn three things. Number one, that Bible is a story. It tells the story of a God who creates, people who rebel, a God who saves, and a king who's coming back. And tell them the story and read it to them over and over. We can all sit around and we tell stories. Part of the graduations these weekends were were the stories that people shared. And those are important. Why do we approach this as just a moral rule book? It is stories. There are morals in here and there are rules. And they are wise. I don't ever want my kids to, to buck up against rules. Rules are right. And they're, in, they're, they're overlaid in a story. That there was a king, a sovereign king who created the universe and mankind rebelled against that king. And that king came and redeemed those rebellious people and that that king is coming back. And I'd talk about this kingdom and I would talk about us being ambassadors for the king. I'd want them to learn the story of the gospel. And I'd want them to learn not just the precepts. Do not get drunk on wine yet be filled with, instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. That is a precept. But I'd want them to learn principles. Because too many times I've seen in my young Christian walk, people approach this as a proof text. Well, if you can't show it to me where it's in the Bible, I don't have to do it. I don't want my kids to think like that. Yes, there are precepts, but I want them to learn the story of the gospel and to live by precepts and principles. Because one day, who knows, Lawson may come up to me and say, well, why don't we... Smoke pot. There's no verse in there. See, if I if he does that, then I haven't taught him right about the principles. So I'd want him to learn the story of the gospel about biblical principles. There, I would say, yea, even goes so far as to say the word Trinity's not in there. So how can you teach? Because there are principles, Luke. Principles, Lawson. They're principles. I'd want them to learn the story of the gospel. I'd want them to learn my precept and principle. And I'd want them to live out what they've learned in the word. To learn to live out the gospel. That they would be able to say, like the Puritans of old, I'm a great sinner and Christ is a great savior. That they would, I love how Sunday school began today Lord, we repent, all of us. I would want them to see that repentance is a freeing thing and it is a way of life. Do you know that we sit here today as Protestants because Martin Luther nailed 95 theses on a church in Wittenberg, Germany? You know what the first one was? Very first one, a life of repentance. May we learn to be repentant. I'd never want them to fear to say, you know what, I did wrong. And then we can walk and talk with them about the gospel and they've got to see that modeled in our life. I'd want them to see too that sanctification, this idea of becoming holy is not a one-time event, but it's a lifelong process. That's what part of learning about the scripture is. If you look at this, one book, one canon 66 books, over 40 authors, spanning over thousands of years. That's how God's works. It's thousands of years. 
And you see people grow in their faith. Abraham, we will see this fall, how he grows in his faith. You trace the life of Peter. You see how a man grows in his faith. One who, who would interrupt Jesus, correct Jesus, have Jesus say, get behind me, Satan, who even at the end of this life, after he's denied him three times and Jesus restores him, Peter's looking over and says, well, what about him? And Jesus has to correct his lead guy. You follow me. And that's not the end of his life because you flip to the end and you see first and second Peter. You see a man given over to the gospel who follows Jesus. Tradition says he was crucified and he said, I don't want to be crucified like him. I don't deserve that. Turn me upside down. That I would see all of life that, that Lauren has come to know Christ. And that's not it. It's not just fire insurance, live like you want, Lauren. But Jesus is your Savior and he's your Lord. Everything you think about should be through the lens of the gospel. That sanctification, my sweet daughter, is a direction you're heading. And some days you're sprinting. Some days you're just jogging. Some days you're walking. Some days you're limping. Some days you may be even crawling. And some days you might not be able to move, but just look. You look in the direction that he's coming. To give her a picture that just because you came to be a believer, that doesn't mean you'll never experience pain. Doesn't mean you'll never experience suffering. That doesn't mean you're going to get what you want now. And God is a genie that you rub three times. Sweetie, I'd want her to know that on your worst day, on your worst day, you're never, ever out of the reach of God's grace. And sweetie, today you did your chores and you, you were up reading your Bible. We heard you singing. We love it. We love to hear her sing it in the morning. And you were being obedient and you're helping your brothers out. Sweetie, on your best day, you're never out of the need of God's grace. And all of that's contained how she should walk with the Lord in principle more than precept, really, in these pictures and stories are in the scripture. I'd want her to read it, memorize it, listen to it, study it, apply it, and proclaim it. I'd want her to read it and meditate on it like Psalm 1 says, day and night. I'd want her to see that it came from God. All scripture is inspired or breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and training that the person of God may be equipped for every good work. I'd want her to approach it like a Berean. I would want her, if I tell her this is what it says in the scriptures, to start flipping through it like a Berean and eagerly examining the scriptures every day. That it's an attitude, it's eagerness, it's examining, it's, it's a process. And she does it consistently, recognizing that if she doesn't get it every day, her, her worth in salvation is not on making it every day, but that she consistently goes to the Bible. And I'd want her to do it systematically because of this. Just the other day, it was 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock at night, she comes down carrying her little purple Bible. And she's walking down and she's, Daddy, can you, can you help me with this word here? And it's, I said, where are you? Because she goes, well, Second Chronicles 32. 
That's what she said. She goes, well, right here, it's this, oh, well, that's Sennacherib. I said, well, how did you get to that? She goes, well, that's just, I just kind of opened it and that's where it fell. I am so glad you're reading the Bible. That's the first thing you say. That's what I said. I am so glad you're reading the Bible. And then this is what I said. But I want you to read the Bible like you read chapter books. Because that's, that's speaking her language. She's into chapter books now. Not just little bitty books that she learned to read in kindergarten, but chapter books. Chapter 1, chapter 2. I said, read your Bible that way. I said, do you want to learn about Hannah? Let's go to 1 Samuel and read chapters 1 and 2 and just got pictures of Hannah in there. I was like, read about Hannah. But read it systematically. Right? Otherwise, she's just waking up this morning. Oh, Jeremiah 2. Daddy, what's this word? No context of how it fits in the greater story. That I would want her to be just like Ezra and Luke, just like Ezra and Lawson, just like Ezra, that they would study the scriptures, they would practice it, and then they would teach others. I'd want them to have a love for this triune God and a love for his true word, which centers on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And thirdly, I'd want them to have a love for all people, especially God's people. Love for all people, especially God's people. And I would have a photo album here, family photo album. I'd have a church directory. And I would have a hymnal. All people, all people. Galatians 6, 9 and 10 says, let, let us not grow weary in doing good, for we shall reap if we do not give up. And then the very next verse, so Lauren, never get up. Luke, never give up in doing good. And let us do good to all people, especially of those of the household of the faith. Galatians 6, 9 and 10. Mark 12, 31, not only do you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, but you love your neighbor as yourself. And I would first point out to them, both of, all, all three of them, I would say, and in loving all people, God has designed us differently. That there are women, young women and girls. There are men, young men, and boys. We've lost that. I want my kids, I want every child, I want every person in this church, and I think the elders do as well, to understand the difference between men and women, to understand biblical womanhood, biblical manhood. That I say to Lauren, I am so glad God made you a girl. So thankful that he gave me a daughter. And I take those two boys and I pick them up and I'm saying, so glad God made you a boy. And I start to train them from a young age. Boys are different than girls. And I'm going to teach them this definition. That at the heart, Luke and Lawson, of mature masculinity is a benevolent responsibility to lead, provide, and protect in ways different for your differing relationships of men and women. Right? That if I see your wife at City Market, it's 10 at night, I'm to lead, provide, and protect her. If there's some hooligans walking up and I see Dee Dee, I'm going to protect her. 
and you're not there because you're doing something else. And I see her walking and I see others. I'm going to go over there and say, Dee Dee, how are you doing? And walk her and make sure in ways that are different for different relationships, I'm going to walk her to her car and I'm going to stand there. How are you doing, hooligans? Because it is a benevolent responsibility to lead, provide, and protect in ways for differing relationships. And I'd say, sweet Lauren, at the heart of mature femininity is a freeing disposition. Freeing. Right? Because the world's world's going to tell her something different. A freeing disposition to receive and to nurture um, and affirm Affirm, receive, and nurture strength from worthy men in ways that are different. And so when Matt pours into my daughter in Sunday school, she affirms that. This is what Matt is teaching me, and that is good in ways that are different for a woman's differing relationships. I want them to know that because our world is getting it confused. And one day she's going to ask, Why are they, two of them, men or women, I don't know what she's going to ask, why don't we believe that? And I want to give her an answer. That you love all people and God's designed them differently. And you can ask her this. And I'm teaching them. So the two things, biblical manhood and womanhood. And when it comes to God's family, I said, you can ask her this. Lauren, how many families do you have? She's going to say two. I have my physical family. And I have my church family. Because we've lost that in this culture. We've lost that. More on the hymnal in just a minute. Two families. So when we have family night... That's Ashley and Lauren and Luke, Lawson and Daddy. And we have family night. And we are blessed for the next few weeks to have Sammy here with us. So we're having family night. We're doing family things. But if I leave it right there, I have not taught them what the Bible should teach them. That there are two families. There's God's family. There's your physical family. That's a godly family. And that physical family is part of a bigger family the church family. And I want them to know that from a young age. I want them to know it's not just about Lauren and it's not just about the Rumleys. It's about the gospel. It's about the church. And the Rumleys are just one family of part of something bigger. See, the first family is a model for how all this is lived in the present. And it's a picture for the future. My kids and your kids are looking to you parents on how they're going to do family. It's a model right now. And it's not a perfect model and that shouldn't scare you. That should just relieve you to when you fail, you say, Lauren, looking Lawson, that is not how you speak to your mother. And you do that. You do it. You do it at Glenwood Springs outside of sports authority And they sense daddy just spoke harshly to mommy. Now you can get all beat yourself up about that. Or you can go, you know what? This is a redeeming moment. 
And you can get in the car and you look them all and you get a tear in your eye and you say, this is not how we speak. If daddy says it, you can say it. That's how we talk about certain words that we use or don't. If daddy says it, you can say it. If daddy doesn't say it, you don't say it. And when daddy messes up, he goes and he says, I'm so sorry. That is not how you treat your mommy. And you look at the two that have accepted Jesus and you say, will you forgive me? It's a teaching moment. That's that family. And then I teach them about the second family, right? Because we have immediate family and extended family. And just like we have the second family, we have the local church and we have the universal church. And we have failed and we've said, well, you just become a part of the universal church. And I will say, no, Lauren, when you go off to college, you get a part of a local church. You're now, yes, you're a part of the universal church, but now for that period of time, you're a part of that family and you pour into that family. And just like you've had to learn to work with your brothers and they don't always please you, you don't just get to up and go when the family upsets you. There's too many Christians do that. And that's what I'm going to teach them. Love for God, the triune God, love for his true word, and the love for all people, red and yellow, black and white. They are all precious in his sight. And God made a male and God made him female. And especially God's people. Two families, Lauren, Luke and Lawson. Your physical family and your spiritual family. And this is what I'll tell her. Sweetie, there may come a time where you're closer to your spiritual family than your physical family. And you're going to spend eternity with your spiritual family. And you may not spend eternity with your physical family. And I want her to understand that. Because it's very, very important. God uses that language. First Timothy 3, he says, 3.15, if I can't come to you, I want you to understand how to conduct rules yourself in the household of God. He begins, Paul begins most of his letters, brothers and sisters, brothers, brothers, brothers. They need to understand that. And I want them to know about hymns personal thing but I, I mean that's and it is just, yeah, it is scriptural right <laughs> be filled with the Holy Spirit making melody in your heart singing to one another psalms hymns and spiritual songs and I'd give them a love and an appreciation for the hymns the first song these kids ever sang was Amazing Grace because they had it sung to them every night for two years Lauren in her third year just starts bellowing amazing because we've been singing it to her. And we sing to him, holy, 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 be thou my vision. And I'm, quite frankly, I don't know that many hymns. I'm just giving the ones I do know. And then Sammy puts Lawson down. I want holy, holy, holy. Go for it. I want them to see the best of tradition and the best of innovation because hymns, what were they at one time? Contemporary songs, <laughs> Right? When Charles Wesley first wrote it, it was a hit. He was Chris Tomlin, right? Charles Wesley was Chris Tomlin back then. But he wrote with substance, and Chris is writing with substance today. Love Chris Tomlin because he writes with substance about the glory of God. He's the God of this city, and so you can run around Eagle and be running, and you're tired, but you're singing because Tomlin is filling your brain with good stuff. I want him to know the hymns, and I want him to know the best of contemporary. That focus on God. I don't want them to get into Hindu mantras about I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive. 
okay, Lauren, why are you alive? Why are you singing that song? I don't know. It just, it's got a good beat. Might I introduce you to uh, Luther's? What did he write? How great is our God? No. Thank you. A mighty fortress is our God. His wonders to perform. That's just a little side note. That's what I'd want him to know. Love for the triune God, that he exists in three persons, fully seen in the face of Christ. A love for God's word, not just rules, but it helps develop their relationship. It tells the story of the cross. And a love for all people, red and yellow, black and white, different between men and women, and two families. Their physical family and their spiritual family. They need to know that. That's what I would give my child. And finally, finally, I would give them, right, a love for God's word, word, world, God's mission, God's purpose. Love for God, love for his word, love for his people, love for his purposes. That they're going to see their entire life as a missionary. They're going to learn their culture. So much so when I was preparing for this this morning, I'm like, I'm printing stuff off the Eagle County website. We're just going to have a little family lesson over the next couple months of, and we're going to have people who've been here for 20 years. Tell me about, we're going to learn Eagle. They're going to learn their culture and they're going to learn the language and the rhythms, right? If we were in Mexico, what would we do from two to four? Huh? We'd take a nap. So we're going to bring some Mexico to Colorado. I'm just kidding. But they're going to learn their culture and it's got its own rhythms but they're going to live as missionaries. That's what, that's what the missionaries we support. They go into a culture. They don't just come right in. They learn the culture. They learn the mannerisms. That in some cultures, you hail a cab like this. In other cultures, you hail a cab like this. And in some cultures, it depends on the hand too because of what the hand's used for. But they're going to live their life as a missionary. So before they go across the world, they're going to go across the street. So as we're driving to school, we're praying for her principal, her teachers, the staff, and the students that she would be a joyful example of Christ. And that their whole life, whatever they do, whether they eat or drink, the mundane things in the world, they're going to bring glory to God. In their neighborhood, in their classroom, in the coffee shop, in the conference room, at the park, at the ballpark, in the arts, in the academics, in athletics, The harvest is plentiful. And I would tell them, as I might have told you before, God has you right where you're at for a reason. Their life is a missionary, and they're going to make disciples. They're already doing it. I'm just going to guide them in it. We have one named Lawson who you could call a parakeet, right? If Luke says it, guess what's going to happen? Not two seconds later. And even this morning, I said, happy birthday, Lawson. He goes, happy birthday. It's your birthday. Oh, I'm just a little parent. (laughs) So they're already making disciples. I'm just going to guide them. And it's not just I, we, we, right? Who's the other family? We. You've guided them in class. You've guided them in class. You've guided them at your house. You've guided them. We are going to guide them in how to make disciples. And this came 
Because if they have a true love for God and they have a true love for his word and they understand a love for all people, especially God's people, and they're taking all of those loves to love for his mission, that's going to give them boldness. And I would say in your mission, don't ever be afraid to fail. You're fighting from victory, not for victory. Tony Evans, see, I'm just, Tony Evans said that once. It rang true. It sits in my heart. Now I can just, you're fighting from victory. It's been won right here. Not for victory. I said, don't ever be afraid to fail. Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man brings a snare, but those who trust in the Lord will be exalted. Don't ever be afraid to fail. Your daddy loves you. Your mama loves you. There's a book we have. And at the end of it, it says, but most of all, Jesus loves you. And I would tell them, as you fall in love with this triune God and you fall in love with his true word and you fall in love with all people, especially God's people, the two families, and you fall in love with his mission, guess what? Trials will come. Trials will come. And James tells us, for a reason, they're not just random. No. Sweetie, consider it all joy. When you encounter trials of various kinds, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And my daughters, you saw saw it earlier. She could go, well, what do you mean lacking in nothing? Well, let's talk about that. And so I'd leave them. Those are the four loves. I'll leave you with four words and an exhortation that I'm going to give them. Number one is a passion, right? A commitment to something or someone, a commitment to God, his word, his people, his purposes, a passion. I would say pursue the God of the Bible above all else. That's what I want you to do, Luke. Well, can I play soccer? Yes. Baseball? Yes. Can I open a pot shop? No. (laughs) Play baseball to the glory of God. Play soccer to the glory of God. Climb Mount Everest to the glory of God. Whatever you do, passionately pursue the God of the Bible above all else. It's so free. You mean I don't have to be a pastor? No. No, Lawson, if the Lord has gifted you to play pro ball and be coached by Dirk Nowitzki, don't be a pastor, be a pro basketball player, please. And Luke, if you're an engineer, don't stoop to do anything less than be God's best engineer in that field. Because see, with a preacher's kid there, well, do I... You do what you want to do, but passionately pursue the God of the Bible above all else. And priority, consider others more important than self. Lauren, Luke, and Lawson, trust Daddy and Mommy on this one. If we would all just live out this one every single day, there would be a lot less issues. Because you see it every day. That's my toy. No, that's my toy, right? And if we aren't careful, we can just do that with adult language on it. And I would give them a purpose. I would say, your purpose, 
God's mission is live for something bigger than yourself. Pursue your dreams, absolutely. But live for something bigger than yourself. Because if all you're going to be living for is your comfort and your safety and your family and you and you and you, you've just masked your selfishness in something. So live for something bigger than yourself. And I would say, finally, and probably most importantly, it's a process. Here's what I'd say. Pursue God above all else. Consider others important self. Live for something bigger than you. And here's the key phrase. Repeat when necessary because you're never through. You're never through. Parenting does not end when that little girl, or those boys go to college, I assure you. you. We will live out this process of discipleship until we perish. Christians may retire from business. They never retire from living on mission. Because right now we have limited time and, and, and little experience. 11 years from now, 13 years from now, 15 years from now when that little boy leaves, wow, we'll have a lot more time and a lot more experience. I probably won't have hair by then. I heard this at a graduation yesterday. It was so good. <laughs> Bill Gates, I think, it was, it was somebody quoting Bill Gates, and he said, kids, understand, your parents were not as boring before they had you. <laughs> that's good, Bill Gates. I think that's funny. Because I used to wear trendy clothes. I used to have the hippest shoes. Not anymore. It's all to my kids. I'm boring. I'm a goof. But I love it. You never end. Someday we'll have lots of time and we'll have lots of experience. And I would say, why process? Why that keyword process? Because you've got to be faithful. But the process isn't seeming to churn out the results that... No. God is not a big chicken. You're not putting in a quarter and it's not spinning three times and dropping out the egg. Life is a process. Be faithful even though you aren't fruitful, though yet too. Though nothing's happening. You find your joy in the Lord and you sing about it. You be flexible without being flimsy, right? Go to different cultures. You got to be a little flexible. They like certain things. I'm more flexible here than I was in Texas. In Texas, stiffer in the church community. But you don't be flimsy, right? You have a, you, you have a spine. You're flexible, but you're not flimsy. And I tell them in this idea of process that you're learning, and you, it's, it's just you repeat, you get up, you, you let the scriptures soak your mind, you pray without ceasing, you obey, you spend time working, spend time playing, sing along the way, go to sleep. Guess what you're going to do again? There's majesty in the mundane and there's no such thing as a silver bullet. There's not one book you're going to read, yay, the Bible. Not one article you'll read, not one conversation you'll have that will change everything. It's a cumulative effect over years. And then I would say, how do you do this process? You persevere by planning with pleasure. And that's it. A man plans his way, the Lord directs his steps. 
we, you don't, you don't do it. This is what I'm going to tell them. Kids, here's just a little side note. Lawson hears that so much that he, when he wants everybody's attention, kids, he's just a little disciple. But I say, kids, this is what I'd say. You're not going to approach learning how to take away, take it apart and put back together an engine or how to paint or how to do construction or how to run a successful business you're not, or how to raise your kids and clean a house, even making a bed, there's a way to do it. So you'd never, ever, no one ever approaches life randomly. Even the one who says they're laid back and they're just random. That's a very systematic approach to life. This is the way I say it. Everybody's type A to some degree. No, I'm not. No, trust me. Even people who are type B have plans. They're just different. So I'd say a man or woman plans their way, but God directs their step. Type A people just have Roman numeral one, A, one, little a, another one, little I, bullet point, other shaded bullet point, right? doesn't have to be like that, right? I can give you four things. Love God, his word, his people, his purposes. And then be content with your circumstances. I may face this. Sweetie, you're not married yet? That's okay. You love God? Yeah. You just keep on pressing on. Luke, you're not married yet? No, you're making disciples? Lawson, you didn't make it in the bigs, did you? It's okay. You're short. You have a great outside shot, dude. You have a great outside shot, but you're short. You're short. I would have loved for you to make the pros. Trust me. We'd be working on your signing, your bonus. You know what I'm saying? That's okay, Bo. I don't love you any more because, or any less because you didn't make uh, the pros and I wouldn't love you anymore if you were Spud Webb Jr. And that's okay. Now, are we praying that he would continue to hone that gift? Absolutely. Will he use it for God's glory? Absolutely. Lord willing. But just be content. And if you're given one day at a great place to stay, maximize it. And then go back to life. <laughs> you just live it up. And then the next day you go do what's normal. All the while, loving God, loving his word, loving his people, loving his purposes. A passion, a priority, a purpose, and a process. Father, let them as that globe is lit up right now be lights to this world. I pray for every Child, I'm looking at them now. I can do that, praying with my eyes open. I see them. Young boys, young men and women, I pray for them. I think of the voices I hear in the hall. I pray for them. And I pray for us because we are your children. And I think these are the gifts you can give us. Enable us to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Help us carve out however radical we have to get to spend time with you in prayer 
Bible study and with others in community. Help us understand that we have two families and give us all a zeal to go to the ends of the world by beginning to going right down the street. Father, we cannot do this on our own. Apart from your son's work in our life, he told us we are nothing. So I pray as Jesus would have us abide in him, love one another and reach the world, that we would understand where our power comes from as you have saved us by grace and as Titus says, by the regeneration of the Holy Spirit whom now you've sealed in us until your son comes back. Might we understand what it means to live by his power and walk in his steps to bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit, to put to death the deeds of the flesh by the power of the Spirit, to pray until we can't pray anymore knowing he intercedes for us. And Father, might our kids look back and see that we left them a legacy, not of bikes, not of money, not of even a great education, but we left them with a sincere love for you, a sincere love for your word, a sincere love for your people and your purposes that we've modeled for them. And Lord, where we have not modeled this well, correct us, encourage us, and give us the strength to do so. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.